Romans chapter 12, uh, I'll just go ahead and read uh, the entire chapter. Listen now to the reading of God's holy word. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy of proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our, our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place, of, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's seek the Lord's blessing on this, His holy word. O gracious God in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks to you again that we have this opportunity to come before you, to look, to, uh, consider the truth of your word. And we pray that as we come to this particular passage this evening, that you would open our hearts and our minds to see and understand the truth that is here. That your spirit would accompany the word, your word as it goes forth, finding within our hearts that rich and fertile soil that will bring about a great and abundant fruit for your glory. And so we ask, Lord, that you would now bless your word to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> During our times of celebrating the Lord's Supper, we've been considering a, a call or return back to the basics. Back to the basics of the Christian life. That is, those foundational means, duties, and activities that encourage us in our growth in grace and knowledge of God's truth. We've considered such things as obedience to the two great love commands that summarize the entire moral law of God, love for God and love for neighbor. The need to rely on the grace of God as we strive to grow in, in holiness in our lives. 
the importance of the Word of God and prayer in our daily lives and the discipline of regular family worship as we seek to train up our children in the way of the Lord. As we endeavor to do these things, we will not only grow in our faith, but we will also bring glory to God in our lives. And it's this basic of the Christian life that we want to consider this evening. Giving our all and doing all we do for the glory of God, to worship God with how we live our lives. And so not just worshiping God during our times of worship, but even in how we live our lives. This is the reasonable service which the Apostle Paul writes about here in in Romans chapter 12. He says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. And so the Apostle urges that you present your bodies as a sacrifice. Now he's not talking here about a blood offering for sin, We know that Christ already provided the once for all, uh, He already provided the once for all uh, blood sacrifice to cover our sins. But what Paul speaks of here is more of a thank offering or sacrifice in giving thanks for what God the Lord has done. First, we want to note that it's a living sacrifice. This implies two things. Again, it's, it's not a blood sacrifice wherein the offering is, uh, is put to death and then is uh, offered up on the altar before the Lord. No, it's a dedication or setting apart for God's use and service. And because it's an offering or <clears throat> a sacrifice that continues to live, well then the dedication itself is then to be continual, enduring as long as you live your life. And so as long as we live, we're to offer our bodies as a sacrifice to God. As, as long as life is in our bodies, we're to honor Him with all that we do with our bodies. And again, as we remember that our bodies are not our own, but have been bought with a price, even the price of Christ's own precious blood. And so the sacrifice is a commitment to continually dedicate ourselves to the Lord and his service. Well, note secondly that it's a holy or sanctified sacrifice. Now, this carries with it the idea of being set apart by God, right? In the scriptures, uh, things that are often that are washed, cleansed, and purified are often marked things that are holy. Now, this is what God, through Jesus, has done for us, as He graciously justifies us and makes us right in His sight when we believe on Christ. But it's not just the holiness of our justification, but also the holiness that we pursue by God's grace in our sanctification, in our day-to-day living for Him. And so as we strive for holiness in our lives, we achieve it as we, under the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit, we exercise self-control. And we keep our bodies pure from sin and wickedness. This we do as an offering to God. To live according to His word and to be obedient to His commands. And so we're made holy by Him through Christ. And we strive to be holy by loving Him and obeying His commands. Well, thirdly, we see that such an offering is an acceptable sacrifice. Now, not every sacrifice made is acceptable to God. 
Right? Not only must one's heart be right in offering it, but it must be the correct sacrifice that God requires. Now this is why... <coughs> In, uh, in Genesis uh, 4, this is why Cain's sacrifice was not accepted, accepted by God, but Abel's was. Not only was Cain's heart not right before God, but he failed to offer the proper blood sacrifice as an atonement for his sins. And so God will only accept a sacrifice that's pure and without blemish, because God hates sin. And there's no darkness in him. And, and so to offer a blemished sacrifice is an assault on his holiness. And later uh, he uh, brings a judgment and, uh, upon uh, the priests in Jerusalem because that's exactly what they were doing. They were offering him blemished sacrifices. And so the sacrifices of our bodies, as Paul mentions here, is acceptable to God only if we've been purified and our, and our blemish of sin removed by Jesus Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that we are to be perfect. We know in this life that we'll never be perfect. No, it's all about experiencing the grace and the mercy of God uh, through our sins being forgiven because of Christ's perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And so cleansing by God's forgiveness is what makes us acceptable sacrifices. And so we must then present our bodies, our lives, as, as a sacrifice, living, holy, and acceptable. But it's not just bodies and avoiding the sins that you commit with and against the body, but as Matthew Henry uh, points out, it involves using of the body as a servant of the soul in service to God. And this is what's indicated in the final part of verse 1, when the Apostle says, which is your reasonable service. So this is our reasonable, or some translations may have, our spiritual service to God. It's reasonable, that is, it makes sense. When we consider all that God has done for us, it clearly makes sense, it's reasonable. It's our spiritual duty to worship Him in this way, by presenting our bodies and our lives as a sacrifice, as a thank offering, that again is continual throughout our whole lives, that's holy and is acceptable to Him. Now this occurs through God's abounding compassion and mercy. At this point we've already alluded to, but we can't do this on our own merits or in our own strength. Paul notes here that it's through the mercies of God or through the compassion and the grace of God that we're even enabled to make such an offering. The chief mercy and grace, of course, was that which is expressed in Jesus offering Himself on the cross as atonement for our sins. And Jesus, the very Son of God, came into the world so that we might have the life to, uh, this life to offer as a sacrifice in praise to God. And Christ came that we might be made a holy sacrifice in Him that we might be made acceptable in the sight of God. Only through God's mercies can we truly present ourselves as a living, holy, and acceptable sacrifice to God, devoting our bodies, our lives, and all that we have to Him as an offering of thanksgiving. Paul urges this point. 
again, based on, on all that God has done for us in Christ. We're to do this now. It's not something that we can put off to some later time. But beloved of God, even now today, I'm urging you, even as Paul is urging the Romans here, by the mercy and the grace of God to present your bodies and your lives as a continual, holy and acceptable sacrifice to God. In order to heed this call though, there are two necessary elements. First in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul's warning here <clears throat> is that we're to not be conformed to this world. That is, we're not to follow after the pattern or the way of this world. And here the world means all the, the evil, the, the wickedness, and the sin that exists all around us. If you're to conform to this world, well then you're lo- no longer going to be holy. You're no longer going to be acceptable. And because the wages of sin is death, well then you will no longer be alive in Christ Jesus. But you would be dead in your sins and transgressions. And so turn away from the sins. Turn away from the evil trappings of the world and and flee from them. Don't look back. But set your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ and turn your hearts toward Him. Jesus warns in Luke 17, He has this significant warning uh, when he, that He gives to His disciples, Remember Lot's wife. Recall the story of Lot and his family in Genesis 19, where the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, which stand throughout the Scriptures as uh, pictures of all that is worldly, a corruption, sin, and wickedness. And then the two angels visit Abraham's nephew Lot, who was living there in Sodom, and he and those angels urge Lot and his family to to flee at once. And really, as you read that passage, the angels are basically a drag Lot and his family out of the city, and and as they're fleeing from the city, they he, the angels caution them to not look back, not even for a moment. Don't turn your heads to mourn for for the wickedness and the sin that you're leaving behind. But instead, cling to purity. Focus on holiness and pursue the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Don't look back. But as we remember Lot's wife, she did look back. Yearning for the wickedness and sin that she left behind. And she was immediately struck and turned into a pillar of salt. No longer living no longer holy, no longer an acceptable sacrifice. We're called to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed, to be changed into a a different entity, to become a new man and a new creation. And this is done by the renewing of your mind that comes to the renewal of your hearts in Christ Jesus. And if your heart and mind have been renewed, then your thoughts and focus are no longer on the worldly things and temptations, but they're set on the things above, the heavenly things, as Paul notes in Philippians 4. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
Don't look back on the sin and what you've left behind. But look upon Christ and look upon these heavenly things. Indeed, it's a renewed mind and heart that enables you to be presented as a living, holy, and acceptable sacrifice. And when this is accomplished, it proves the will of God. Second part of verse 2, <clears throat> that you may prove what is that perfect good, or what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know that God's will is perfect, it's good, acceptable, and it will be accomplished. His will is that those who are His would be transformed after the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, forsaking the things of this world and presenting themselves as acceptable and holy sacrifices. Will we fulfill our purpose in Him? When we set our hearts, souls, minds, and bodies to serve and honor Him with continual thanksgiving. Indeed, in His purpose, which ultimately is to bring glory to His name, God's purpose, His will is being fulfilled in us and through us when we do that. And so first we need to have a renewal of heart and mind. And secondly, and perhaps this is a byproduct of the first, is that we need to have a mind and attitude of humility in order to offer ourselves as a living, holy, and acceptable sacrifice. Verse 3, Paul says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. That's pretty direct. If you're filled with pride and arrogance, then you give evidence that your mind hasn't been renewed. If you're proud, then you wouldn't condescend yourself to say thank you, even to say to God, thank you. And you certainly wouldn't even think of giving yourself and presenting yourself as a sacrifice of any kind. Pride is inconsistent with true giving and sharing. Paul urges to be sober-minded, to be humble, exercising and, and showing forth sound judgment. That is judgment that's not clouded by self-interest and selfish gain. It's only the one who's truly humble that will be self-sacrificing and serving of others. A renewed mind and humble spirit are essential for one to continually serve the Lord in their lives as a holy and acceptable sacrifice. Well, how is this carried out practically? Well, Paul used the rest of chapter 12 to give some very clear and helpful examples of how you can, even now, even starting now, how you can present yourselves as sacrifices to God as a way of life continually. He begins with the body of Christ in verse 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are, the bo- are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Well, Paul introduces here the concept of body ministry. And he also addresses this in, in 1 Corinthians 12. And basically, body ministry is that each believer is a member of the body of Christ, both, both locally in the congregation, the local congregation, as well as universally being children of God, being part of the uh, uh, invisible church, the, the universal church worldwide. 
Each member has a different role and function. But we're not unattached, independent, various parts. Because we all together make up one body. Every part is essential in helping the body to function. No part is more important than the other and no part is unnecessary to the others. We're members of one another. Something that we get to reflect upon when we partake of the Lord's Supper. And so we know that each member has a different role and function. And we're called to use those things to to function together depending on one another supporting and encouraging one another and so that when one member grieves we all grieve when one member rejoices we all rejoice and so there's this interdependence when a new member comes in we assimilate them into the body and and encourage them to fulfill their part and then when a member leaves others then step in to fill the gap when this body functions well, then we know that each member is presenting themselves as a living sacrifice to God. But when the body doesn't function well, then we know that pride or unbelief has crept in. And again, we all have a different part to play. And the key is finding out what part is yours and what function have you been called to perform within the body. What are your gifts that need to be used for the overall health and the benefit of this particular body of Christ here in Bryan, Texas? And so we acknowledge the importance of the body ministry. And we carry out that ministry by using the gifts that God has graciously given to us. And and again, here Paul uh, mentions several in verses 6-8 through that each one has been given gifts by God. And he talks about prophesying. Prophesying is the gift of of handling and declaring the Word of God so that people who hear are challenged and exhorted and corrected, equipped, and blessed. Now in times past, this involved declaring new revelation of God. But presently in the church today, we know it's carried out in the preaching ministry of the church. In the expounding of of the God breathed out scriptures. And he mentions ministry or serving. This is possibly a reference to the office of of the deacons and the work of the deacons. And because, as you could literally say here, a deaconing, pursuing the physical care and the concerns of others, ministering to others in uh, in regard to their health, finances, food, shelter, and other material needs. Mentions teaching. Mostly this reflects again the role of the elders, but it would also include those who uh, do teaching in informal uh, settings. Maybe uh, in classes or in Bible study or in personal discipleship. Exhortation, encouraging, uh, comforting. Again, this isn't just pastoral ministry, but it's the ministry of, of one member to another member. To exhort and encourage and comfort one another. In giving, we know that all have the obligation to give. But some are gifted at giving of their time, money, and resources. Indeed, if you have this gift, then use it liberally and, and generously to the glory of God. A leading, again, it relates to the elders. Uh, they're gifted to lead with care, diligence, love, and faithfulness to God's Word. And then showing mercy, which is the gift of compassion. Compassion. 
ministering in special and often hidden ways. Again, if this is your gift, then do it with cheerfulness. And so when these gifts and others, as this is just a a sampling of the possible gifts that God gives to the church, these are used faithfully with a renewed mind and in all humility. When they're used that way, then the body of Christ functions well. And the evidence comes clear that the members are presenting themselves as living sacrifices. And so this shows forth also in various attitudes and deeds. And so Paul goes on to list a variety of these in verses 9 through 21. And I'm not going to well, we'll just kind of briefly go, uh, go through these pretty quickly here. A love without hypocrisy. Right? It basically boils down to if you're going to talk the talk, then be sure to walk the walk. If you're going to show love, then don't be a hypocrite. If you're going to confess the name of Christ, don't be a hypocrite. A devotion to one another, which again has an element of humility as, as giving preference to others above ourselves. Showing brotherly love and concern for one another. And then in serving the Lord, uh, do so with all you have to offer. No half-hearted efforts. Laziness and slothfulness should be cast aside. Being beacons of light to the lost by showing the joy and the contentment of the hope that's in you. By being ready, able, and equipped to give a reason for that hope. When faced with difficulty, you can reflect the example of Christ in you by persevering and not wavering in your faith as a testimony to others of your hope in Christ. Seek the Lord regularly in prayer and and personal study and, and devotion to equip yourself to these ends. Seek to fulfill the needs of those around you to those in the church as well as giving cups of cold water in the name of Christ to those outside the church to show your love for your neighbor and your love for God and again as a witness to them. Exercising regular hospitality, opening your home and have your home be a lighthouse of faith and hope to those around you. Exercise self-control, especially the control of your tongue. Even choosing to bless those who persecute you and who seek to misuse you. Rejoicing with those who rejoice and and again weeping with those who weep. This again is a a ministry of sharing and, and of comforting. In verse 16, Paul again mentions humility. Seek unity and fellowship. Avoid the proud and reach out to minister to those who have low estate and in need. And again, don't think too highly of yourself. Seek not revenge, but pursue and promote justice and righteousness in all things. Look to be peacemakers rather than warmongers. Understand that God will be a just and righteous judge. And then finally, overcome evil with good, even with your enemies. Indeed, if there was ever a challenge to show a sacrificial living, that would be it. Because it's even the example that Christ Himself gave to us. When He was overcome evil, when He gave Himself for us who were His enemies. And so brothers and sisters, these various attitudes and deeds that we're called to do and accomplish are to be sought after continually. 
Again, as long as you live, you're called to offer up a holy and acceptable sacrifice to God. And you can only do this by being renewed in your heart and mind by the grace of God and by demonstrating the same humility that Christ showed by offering up Himself as that once for all sacrifice for our sins. Challenge yourselves then. Challenge yourselves this evening by asking yourselves these questions. Am I presenting and giving to the Lord my life as a living sacrifice for His service and glory? Am I doing this continually? And if not, why not? What is keeping me back and preventing me? If there is something that's preventing you, then seek the abundant mercies of God and His forgiveness that you can then present yourself as the holy and acceptable sacrifice that He so desires. For by doing so, you worship Him and not only serve Christ and the body of Christ, but you give glory to God forever and ever to the praise of His name. Amen. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we rejoice and give thanks to You for Your Word. We thank You for this challenge and reminder to present ourselves, our bodies, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to You, with our hearts and minds transformed by Your grace and Your mercy and the work of Your Spirit in us. And with a spirit of humility and a desire to serve you and to serve one another within the church and even outside the church as a witness to all those around. And Father, we rejoice and give thanks to you that especially this evening as we uh, contemplate these things that we have opportunity to remember the perfect example that we've been given of this very thing. One, giving Himself as a sacrifice, even for us for uh, who were His enemies. Christ gave Himself that we might now present ourselves to You as holy and acceptable sacrifices to bring glory to Your name. We pray that You would give us the grace and the strength to commit ourselves to daily do this throughout the rest of our lives, that we would commit to serving You in this way that through it all, Your name alone would be lifted up and glorified. And so we just praise You and thank You, Lord. We ask that You would now impress these truths upon our hearts by the power of Your Spirit, drawing us all closer to Yourself. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.